Well, welcome uh, to you this morning. I'm glad to see you are here. Thank you for joining us in person. And uh, we welcome our online congregation as well. Thank you for joining us. And if you are our guest, we are happy that you're at Bellevue. And thank you for coming. And if I don't know you, stop by the uh, gathering place and uh, let's, let's get acquainted. I want to thank all of you who came to the revival at Bulletsburg. Uh, and I appreciate you being there, and uh, it was good that you were there. I hope that the revival gives them a little shot in the arm. Uh, they've sort of been isolated now because of 275, and if you were going to get on 275 and you saw that sign that they had, my name was in lights, <laughs> and I bragged and said that the first time my name's ever been on a marquee my friend Gary Greiser said, LD, it's a construction sign. Uh, <laughs> it's not a marquee. So, but it did say LD Campbell the King. So there you go. There you go. There you go. So again, thank you for coming. I, I, love, uh, I love Bulletsburg. I have been going there off and on for several years. And, uh, and it's, it's our mother church. Did you all, everybody know that? It's our mother and uh, she's 227 years old. We're 117 years old, just a very young church, 217. And then Burlington is our child. And it's, how old is it, Jim Brady? 100 and, almost 150? Almost. So we've got a baby daughter that's almost 150 years old. So I'm proud of that. And I've got to preach in all three of them. I was not the original preacher at Bulletsburg, I would have you to know. I was not the founding pastor of Bulletsburg. We are in a new series called, uh, I'm going to call it the Value, Value, Family, Values. Last year, COVID robbed us of two of the most wonderful family events and that was Thanksgiving, our Thanksgiving celebration was limited by folks not being there that were always there, and uh, yours probably was too, and then Christmas came and it was the same thing. So this year, hopefully we will get to have Christmas and Thanksgiving and everybody come like they used to, and I know everybody's got one uncle that you hope never shows up, but they always do, you know. But even that, I hope that we'll all be together again. So I wanted to take this time leading up to Thanksgiving and Christmas just to stop and think about families. Now, you may be a young couple here. You may have children. Uh, you may be uh, single. You may be widowed. You may be a widower. You may be an empty nester. And we were really surprised when we came here, the number of young couples that are at Bellevue. We were really, really pleasantly surprised. But wherever you are in life, you're still a member of a family. And so we want to talk about that. Now, when I was working on this the other day, <laughs> I found some great one-liners about families. And... Uh, <laughs> Maybe you will see your and your family in these one-liners. This Joan Rivers, remember her? She said, my mother could make anybody feel guilty. 
she used to get letters of apology from people she never even knew. We had a lady, <laughs> we have a friend, who said that her mother was the travel agent for guilt trips. <laughs> is, your mother, is your mother one of those? Uh, <laughs> I don't know who Lionel Kaufman is. Children are a great comfort in your old age, and they help you reach there faster, too. <laughs> human, beings, human beings are the only creatures that allow their children to come back home. My, <laughs> my wife and I decided we don't want children. If someone wants them, we'll drop them off tomorrow. <laughs> Doris Day, remember her? Wrinkles are heredity. Parents get them from their children. Charlie Brown said it well. Big sisters are the crab grice in the lawn of life. And uh, Betty Davis, remember her? She said, if you've never been hated by your children, you've never been a parent. And Jim Foxworthy, <laughs> Jeff Foxworthy, <laughs> uh, these are probably two of the best. <laughs> I... I would fail my students if they told a redneck joke in the pulpit. <laughs> he said, you might be a redneck if... <laughs> if you've ever named a child after a dog. <laughs> he, said, he said, you might be a redneck if... <laughs> You remove the back seat from your car so all the kids could fit in. <laughs> oh, I have a great redneck story to tell you one of these days, but not today. <laughs> My grandson made it up, and it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. The, ground, the uh, anchor text for this series is from Genesis, the second chapter. And if you want to turn there or find it on your phones, I'm going to use the New American Standard this morning. The New American Standard is probably the most literal word-for-word uh, -word English translation that we have. I highly recommend it to you along with your other Bibles uh, so that you can really know what the correct translation is. I really like it, and they have updated it a little bit, uh, and uh, I, I like the update as well. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the sky and to every animal of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into woman the rib which he had taken from the man. And he brought her to the man, and the man said, At last this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, so she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And that's the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. 
Now, Father, I pray that you pour through me this morning the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to each of us today. Father, I pray that you give each of us just the message that we need to hear today. And thank you, Father, for this time to be together. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. The family was God's idea, and this text proves it. The family is God's institution, so it will always be around. God thought the family up. So God's creation brought the family together. It's his creation. And no matter what you hear on the news and the media, it isn't finished. It is just fragile. So what is the value of our family? I want to begin with this. A family is a shelter in the storm. A family is a shelter in the storm. Now, we all have storms in life. Life gets tough. <laughs> we get rained on. Sometimes we get poured on. We have tough times. And life doesn't always work out like we plan. So we need a place of protection, of stability, and security. Look at Proverbs 14. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. His children will have a refuge. Now, if you have children, do they have a refuge? The Bible says that God created the family to be a shelter in the time of storms. Let me give you three storms that will rock every family. And the first one is change. Change. A change whether it is positive or whether it is negative. Change causes stress. And the more change we have in our life, the more stressed out we get, and the more we need a place of security. We need what Alvin Tolliver called islands of security. Now, families, <coughs> families have to deal with change. And there are accidents, there are sicknesses, graduations, leaving for college, the empty nest, job changes, moving to a new location, marriages, births, divorce, retirements, elderly parents, and all the problems that that brings, and then death. So there needs to be a place that no matter where the house is, there is a family, that there is a family who knows that they can count on that family. So when the storms of change come, we need a place to shelter. The second uh, change that will rock your family is failure, failure. Nobody wins all the time. We all make mistakes. We all stumble. And sometimes we fail the test. Sometimes we get fired. Sometimes we're passed over for a promotion. Sometimes we go bankrupt. Nobody wins all the time. Sometimes you make an F. And I don't care what the popular thing is. Nobody gets a trophy all the time. One Labor Day, 
we were teaching three of our grandchildren how to ride their new bicycles. And when they learned, they had great fun. I was in the house. In comes Jonathan. He had wrecked and skinned his knees. Poppy, I am tired of wrecking and skinning my knees. I want my training wheels back. And I thought, Jonathan, that'll preach, buddy. That'll preach. Aren't we all like Jonathan? We are tired of wrecking and skinning our knees. And life doesn't always work out as planned. And sometimes we get skinned up. And failure is a whole lot easier to take when you can come home to hugs. Amen. The third storm that will wreck your family is rejection. Rejection. Rejection is probably the toughest and the hardest to handle. It hurts to be criticized. It hurts to be put down. It hurts to be rejected and ridiculed and attacked. And if you don't have somebody to go home to who reinforces with positive love in your life, those put-downs can have lasting emotional effects. So we need a shelter to flee to when people reject us and people put us down. And you know, kids can be so cruel. Kids can be so cruel to other kids. Now, <laughs> if you don't believe that kids have a sinful nature, become a grade school teacher and you'll learn real quick. Kids say the cruelest things to each other. And little kids don't know how to deal with that. They don't have the ability to accept and to reject. So if a child doesn't have positive reinforcements at home, they're going to believe those cruel things that kids say to them. How many times have your kids come home, come through the door? They had been picked on. They had been made fun of. They had been ridiculed. And the minute they hit the door, they break down because now they're home and it's safe to cry. Shoot, I've done that myself after many of a deacon's meeting. <clears throat> Children need a safe place from the storms of rejection. Life is tough. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their effort. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Now, the goal of most games is to get home. Because when you get home, you're safe, right? So how do we turn our home into a shelter? How do we do that? Look at the screen. Here. Listen to their hurts. Hug. Give them a loving hug. Help. Help them out what they need. And then hope. Build them up. So how are you doing with these four? Hearing and hugging and helping and giving hope. So what's the value? of a family. The first one, a shelter in the storm. And then the second value that I want to bring to you is that home is a learning center for life. See, you learn things at home you don't learn anywhere else. 
And in the family, we learn the skills that we need for life. How to talk, how to walk, how to eat with a fork, how to use the TV remote. That's a basic skill we need. God wants our families to be a learning center. Look at Proverbs or Psalm 144. My sons flourish in their youth like well-matured plants. Now, the Bible compares the family a lot of times to a garden. And why is that? The family is a place to grow people. The family is a garden to grow people. Look at the screen. John Bradshaw, in his book On the Family, listen to what he writes. He says, like all social systems, a family has a basic need, a sense of worth, a sense of physical security or productivity, a sense of intimacy and relatedness, a sense of unified structure, a sense of responsibility, a need for challenge and stimulation, a sense of joy and affirmation, a spiritual grounding. A family also needs a mother and father who are committed in a basically healthy relationships and who are secure enough to parent their children without contamination. Isn't that a, isn't that a, isn't that a, just a gripping phrase? So I wonder how many of us raise our kids without contaminating them. Isn't that, a, isn't that just a biting phrase, without contamination? Now, what does a kid learn at home? What did we learn at home? Relationships, right? Good, bad, right, wrong, effective, ineffective. We learned all about relationships at home. I think you would agree with me when I say that our happiness depends on our ability to relate to people. And basically, you learn that at home. Our happiness in life, to a large degree, is going to be determined how we get along with people. And if we can't get along with people, we're going to be a miserable person. And at home, we have to teach our kids how to get along with people. We adults in the home have to learn how to get along with people. So we teach our kids how to relate. And we model good relationships between. And folks, good relationships just don't happen, does it? Good relation takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of discipline, takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort from us. So we learn relationships. We also learn character. Now, character is more caught than taught. It's more caught than taught. Now, some of you, some of you ladies, <laughs> the older you get, the more you become like your mother. And what did you say to yourself growing up? I will never, I will never be like my mother. It's the last thing I do. But you do. Joyce got our girls a very wonderful book one year for Christmas. Help, I have become like my mother. And we can't help but be influenced by our parents, can we? We have sayings, like father, what? Like son, an apple doesn't far, far from the tree. And the older we get, the more like our parents we become. We pick up character. 
And our kids pick up good character from us or they pick up bad character for us and we make the difference. So we learn character at home and we learn relationships at home, but we also learn values, values. Christian Lehman has written a good book called Bringing Your Kids Up Without Tearing Them Down. And uh, I would recommend it to you. It's a good balance. He says, one of the biggest mistakes a parent can make is to think, all my kids need are good care and lots of love. And when they're older, they can pick their own philosophy of life and decide for themselves about the way that they want to live. Really. Now, that sounds good on the surface. You know what that sounds like? You know what that sounds like? That sounds like Oprah. It sounds like Dr. Phil or any of the other talk shows that you see on daytime television. And I hear Christian parents say, I am not going to impose my spiritual values on my kids. I'm just going to let them decide for themselves. I have a deep theological word for that, baloney. <laughs> baloney. If we parents aren't willing to take a stand and teach our kids eternal spiritual values, where will they learn them? If we don't do it, they will get their values from MTV, social media, the internet, TikTok challenges. See, I'm with it, folks. I'm with it. I'm with it. Facebook, video, music, and their strange little friends. See, there are traditional Christian moral values, and it's high time that we parents said so. School boards all over America are hearing from parents. And the governor's race in Virginia, this may be the de what determines the governor's race in Virginia. There are traditional Christian moral values, and it is high time that we parents said so. Amen? That's good preaching, L.D. <laughs> Your kids are going to pick up your values from you or from someplace else, and it's your choice. Here's what, here's what Deuteronomy says about it. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. So it is our job as Christian parents and grandparents to teach the values, Christian values, to our kids. That is our responsibility. Now, what are you modeling at home? How how you modeling? Let, let, let me just give you a list of the values that ought to come in our house. Honesty, positive mental attitude, faith, love, dependability, commitment, sense of humor. Don't forget the sense of humor. Persistence, integrity, hard work, enthusiasm, loyalty, responsibility, caring, and friendliness. That's the kind of values that we need to teach at home. And Father, transmitting those values. You know what's going to happen when you transmit those values to our kids? You know what happens when we do? 
it gives them a good sense of self-worth, those kind of values. Well, what's the value of a family? What's the value of a family? Number one, a family is a shelter in the storms of life. A family is a learning center for life, and then a family is a place to play, a place to play. A family should be a, a, a home of happiness, a format for fun, a party place, a place for laughter, a place where you can kick back and be yourself and let your hair down and enjoy life. Look what Ecclesiastes says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. Proverbs 5, be happy with your wife and find your joy in the girl that you married. Amen. Now, a lot of homes just need to lighten up. They just need to lighten up. You know, I've run across young parents who take this learning center so seriously that they listen to everything that James Dobson used to say and read all the books, and they treat their home like a boot camp. Lighten up. Lighten up. Now, if I had it to do over, I would do a lot of things differently as a, as a dad. I, I, a lot of things. There's not a week goes by that I do not regret that I wasn't a better father to my girls. But one of the things I would done differently is we would have had a hot, low, whole lot more fun. And been, I'd have been a little more fun guy at home. Not a fungus, but a fun guy at, <laughs> at, at, at home. We were at a party with our neighbors one time. and I, I was entertaining, and one of the neighbors said, Oh, LD, you're so funny. Jennifer was about 10 years old at times, and she spoke up and said, he's not always that funny. <laughs> Dads and moms, I know you are under tremendous pressure today, earning a living, getting up and busting your chops to earn a living. And moms, most of you work outside the home, and you have to run the home, and the pressures you're under are great. But I know that. Can I just encourage you, lighten up a little bit. I know you're tired, I know you're harassed, but lighten up a little bit. Celebrate your family, celebrate with your family. Enjoy your family. Psalm 127, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward for him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is a man who has his quiver full of them. Now, I don't know what a quiver full of them means, but I do know what the verse means when it says children are a gift from God. Amen. Those of us who have children who are grown and gone will tell you they're not around long. They're not around long. One minute, you're in the delivery room, and the next minute, you're watching them drive away, leaving home to make their life in the world, and they're not with you very long. We were taking the ferry from Mackinac Island, Michigan, over to the mainland, and a young family got on, five kids, and every one of them had a bicycle. <laughs> And this young father was wrestling with those bicycles, trying to get them onto the ferry. And his children were dressed alike. They were all dressed alike, and they were just stair steps. And they went and found a seat and sat down. 
The other kids on that boat were just driving us crazy. They were running all over the place. They were wrecking havoc, making noise. Their parents were just ignoring them. And there sat these five kids, so mannerly, so well-behaved, talking to each other, enjoying each other. When we were getting off the boat, I said to the young father who was unloading all those bicycles, <laughs> I said, Dad, your children are not only beautiful, and they were, but they are so well-mannered and so well-behaved. And he said, well, thank you, sir. And I said, Dad, take it from an old father. Enjoy them. They will be gone before you know it. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, do you promise? <laughs> <laughs> Sunrise, sunset. Sunrise, sunset. Swiftly fly the days. All right, let's do a little review so you can come back to me, all right? What's the value of a family? A family is a shelter from the storms. A family is a learning center for life. And a family is a place to play. And a family is a launch pad for ministry. Now, you may have never thought of a family as a launch pad for ministry, but it will bring unity to your home. It will bring great joy. If you have some project that you can serve the Lord together, all of you together, and if you want a strong-knit family, nothing binds a family together like doing ministry together and serving the Lord together. A good example of this is in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Stephanus and his family were the first to become Christians in Greece, and they are spending their lives helping and serving Christians everywhere. So if you want to build a strong family, everybody in that family needs to know the Lord, teach them to know the Lord, help them to come to know the Lord, and then serve the Lord together. Look what Acts 16 says. And the whole family was filled with joy because they had come to believe in God. I know you pray for the salvation of your children and your grandchildren. We started praying for ours before they were born. And we started praying for the grandchildren before they were born. And I prayed for everyone and I held my breath until all of them were in the kingdom. Now I wrote our grandchildren a letter the day that they were born. Every one of them. And the letter that I wrote to Jesse pretty well sums up what I'm trying to say. And this is what I said to Jesse. Jesse, we will pray for you every night. And most of all, we will pray that one day you will come to love Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is so important, Jesse, because Jesus will make us a family forever. One day, your Mimi and I will slip out of your life. But in God's grace, we will slip into each other's arms again, never to be separated, and we will have Jesus to thank and praise because he has made us a forever family. I challenge you with these words. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to encourage you during these next three weeks as we look forward to celebrating Christmas and Thanksgiving together as a family. Maybe evaluate your family. What, what's your family for? 
a shelter from the storms of life. What kind of shelter are we providing? Are we a home of hugs and hope and health? A family is a learning center for life. What are the kids learning at home? What would your kids say is most important to you? Are you learning them to develop their character? Are they learning to make decisions based on biblical values? Family's a place to play. <laughs> is your family fun? You only got them for a short time. You only got them for a short time. And even when they're grown and gone, still, you still ought to be able to have fun together as a family. Make a commitment to celebrate your family. And then the family is a launch pad for ministry. If your family knows the Lord, then commit your family to being a launch pad for ministry by just saying, God, use our home for your good and for your glory. And then you know, God will make this world a better place because you and your family pass this way. Amen and amen. Pray with me. Father, we commit our lives to you, but we also commit our families to you. And I pray that our church will be a place where we build strong families based upon your word, based upon the values of your word. And Father, we know that our church can never be stronger than our families. And Father, we know that our nation can never be stronger than the families living in it. So we pray, we pray, Father, for the families of this country. I hope and pray that we learn some principles today that will change our families and that will make our families better. Help us just to slow down and just see what we're doing in our families. And if we aren't doing what you want, help us to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Today we want to close our service by offering you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you never have, we invite you to come forward during the invitation to receive Christ. Make Him your Lord and Savior by confessing that you believe in Him as the Son of the living God. And you're putting your trust in what He did on Calvary to forgive you of your sins and give you grace and mercy. If you'd like to become a part of our church, we would love to have you in our family. If you need to obey him in Christian baptism, we would be happy to help you to do that. Or if you need us to pray with you about anything, we'd be happy to, to cover you with our prayers as well. I'll be down front. You come to me if you want to make a decision to stand and sing.